enough. I've got to get into the Word of God. My time is gone. I would like for you to please look at Joshua chapter 11, verse 23. I'm beginning a new series today. And the theme for this series, the series is entitled Strategies for Possessing Your Mountain. Strategies for Possessing Your Mountain. With God's grace and His help, this will be a life-changing series that will go a long way in equipping you to experience all that God created you to experience and all that He has in store for you. You will not want to miss this series, not a single Sunday, because I'm going to talk about things that will transform your life. In Joshua 11, 23, so Joshua took the whole land, say the whole land, would you do that? According to all that the Lord had said to Moses, and Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their division by their tribes, then the land rested from war. Joshua 13, 1. Now Joshua was old. I find that funny. Because God tells him, Joshua, you old. <laughs> to me, that's hilarious. Because Joshua doesn't act like He doesn't think he's old. I saw something on the internet the other day when I was researching a different matter. And there's a guy that in the Netherlands that is suing the U.S., I'm sorry, suing the, the government of the Netherlands to change his birth certificate birthday. He's 44, but he, uh, 64 rather, but he feels, he said, like he's 44. So he wants his birthday to be changed to make him only 44 years old. He says everybody else is changing everything. So why not change his birthday? God's got a point. More power to him. Amen. Joshua doesn't feel old. God said, you old. You're advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land to be possessed. Father, I thank you for the word of God that is life transforming. I ask that you would speak to us today. Let the word get in our hearts. Because, Lord, it's like a yeast and flour. It just, it just makes everything come alive. It spreads. It gets a hold of us. It consumes us. It, it envelops us. It takes over us. Let your word do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. My subject this morning is simply how to possess your mountain. How to possess your mountain. The first verse that I read said they took the whole land. But the very next verse of our text, Joshua 13, 1, God tells Joshua that yet remained very much land to be possessed. Now, that could appear to be a contradiction. And the question needs to be asked, is it a contradiction? It isn't. Not at all. It's one thing for you to go to war, move from battle to battle to battle until you've conquered the whole territory. But it's another thing for you to go back home Move in your house, plant a garden, raise some flowers, raise some livestock, and possess the land. And God is telling Joshua, okay, you conquered it. Now you've got to go possess it. It's what Jesus meant when he said, occupy till I come. These verses show us one of the most incredible truths that is contained in the Bible. And that is our fight to possess. Our promised land is a fight that is based upon this incredible value. 
The land that we're fighting to possess is already ours. I need somebody to say that. It's already ours. Everything you're seeking for today is already yours. Your salvation has already been bought and paid for. Your healing is already yours. By His stripes, He were healed. That's what the Bible says. Every breakthrough you will ever need, He took care of it at the cross of Calvary. You're not trying to get God to move in your life. He's trying to get you to possess what He's already purchased for you. Somebody in the building shout amen. Problem is there's an enemy that doesn't want us to possess what Jesus died and rose again to give us. He's constantly trying to talk us out of what is rightfully ours. And therefore, it is a fight of faith to possess your miracle or your breakthrough. You've got to keep on believing when all of the evidence seems to indicate that it isn't there. When the x-rays or or whatever the MRI reports are may contradict everything that you know the Bible says. You've got to stand up and say, I'm standing on the word of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. What Joshua 13 and 1 actually tells us is that much of our inheritance is not possessed. And here's what's critical. How much of your inheritance you possess does not depend on Him depends on you. Listen to what he said. Joshua, there's yet very much land that you need to go possess. The people need to possess. You've conquered it. I've helped you do impossible things. The walls of Jericho fail. Miracles have happened. And now you've conquered the land with my grace and help. But possess it. Look at your neighbor and say possess it. Would you do that? I want you to do this. Look at somebody near you. And say, when I get what God's giving me, I'm not letting go of it either. Would you do that? There was one man by the name of Caleb whose story is extraordinary. Joshua 14, 7, and then verse 11 and 12. Caleb comes to Joshua in this time. And he says, Joshua, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kenes, Bornea, to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you have heard in that day how the Anakim were there, that's the giants, and that the cities were great and fortified, that it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord has said. This is extraordinary. The mountain that Caleb wanted was Mount Hebron. It was the dwelling place of the giants. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. I want you to know we have an inheritance. I wish I could get a better amen. I want to be more specific. You have an inheritance. God has plans for your life. Yes, He does. Whether it is a successful marriage, godly and blessed kids, the business success.
seed that you've been struggling to get off the ground or the ministry that God wants you to develop, you have an inheritance. And you need to realize that Israel had finally conquered the land. And it hadn't been an easy journey. 400 years in Egypt in slavery and 40 years wandering in the wilderness. An additional five years fighting the various battles they had to fight before they could rest. Now it's time to take possession. And the truth is, in life, whether it's a career, a ministry, or building a successful family, you won't always get to where you want to be as quickly as you might like. Sometimes it takes a while to get to where you're going. And you need to understand that and say, no matter how long it takes, I'm not dropping out of the struggle and the fight. I'm staying the course. It's a battle to get to where you want to go. It is. If you don't let the enemy talk you into giving up, I promise you, God will help you possess what his promises are for your life. I've seen that in my own life. It hasn't been easy building this church. You don't know all the stories of the struggle. And I'm not just talking about this building or even the technical problems that we're having right now. But we stayed with it. And today God has blessed us and we're exploding right now. God is doing incredible things. You're visiting with us today. Thank you so much for coming. We would love to have you be a part of what God is doing here. Where he can bless your life. It isn't easy to build a family in today's world either. Wonder how many parents would acknowledge that with a nod of the head or a good Baptist amen. amen. Yeah, it's not always easy. Jerry and I raised our two kids. We thought it'd be over. It's not. We got grandkids. We've even got great grandkids. Amen. One another just about here. Yesterday I was playing with our great grandchild in our home. And after a while I just got up and said, enough of that, amen. <laughs> That's fun. But I'm not as young as I used to be. It's just the way it is. I figured out why God gave your grandkids to your children. Amen. They go home whenever you get tired. She's such a sweetheart. You're trying to raise your kids and your grandkids to be godly. And impart a blessing, a patriarchal blessing over their life. That's not easy. It's not easy building a marriage. No, it's not. For Israel finally, the days of delay had ended. The wilderness years and the years of war were over. That's when Caleb came and asked Joshua, do you remember the promise that Moses made to me when you and I returned from spying out the land 45 years ago? Joshua and Caleb had been a team, a part of 12 spies, one from each tribe, that had been sent in advance into the promised land to search out the best routes. They were not sent there to come back and tell Israel whether we can or cannot take the land, they were to go spy out the best routes for the army to take, where there would be the most provisions along the way, where the most suitable fields of battle could be found. God had already told them you're going to take the land. But ten of the spies came back and they said, we can't do it. It's too hard. There are giants in the land. The giants were not even in the part of the land they had been to. They were at the mountain that Caleb and Joshua had gone to. And they discouraged these ten dead, the hearts of the rest of the people of Israel. And Israel fought at Kadesh Barnea and did not cross over. I will tell you what, when God says yes, you need to learn to say yes to. 
And when God says no, we need to learn to say no. And the doors that God opens, even if you're afraid, walk through them anyway. I'm talking to somebody in this house right now. Walk through them anyway. When God slams the door, don't stand there trying to try it open until your fingernails break and bleed. Uh-uh. What we need to do is follow God. God said no. And they said we're not. God is not happy with that. And in Numbers 32 and 11 through 13, he said, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because, listen to this, they have not wholly followed me. How many of us follow him partly? How many of us allow our devotion to be a partial devotion? Our heart is divided. God said, because they have not followed me wholly, none of those 20 years of age and up are going to see the land except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Listen, can I tell you something? You need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful who you take advice from. There will be people that will try to talk you out of your blessing. And if you listen to them, they'll rob you of the promises that God has stacked up like dominoes in your future. Yeah. I remember as just a young man, Jerry and I had not been married, but just a very short while. And I was working for the city that we were living in at that time. And the foreman, my foreman, with me standing right there, and we had married young. And I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but, but we've been together all these years. And it hasn't always been easy, but we're together. And the foreman laughed and looked at another guy that was a superintendent. He said, you see that kid right there with me standing there? He said, he just got married. Marriage had never lasted. He said, I give it four years. I've got news for you, buddy. This month is 52 years. <laughs> So the congregation smiles and 
we can do that. He said the word faith. And immediately somebody stood up and began to sing. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. The pastor said that's good. That's great. Let's move on to the next one. Let's do this again. And he said, he said the word blood. And somebody stood up and began to sing. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. We've been going to school all morning. Might as well do it with our souls. Yeah. Hallelujah. Then he said the word grace. And immediately somebody jumped to their feet and began to sing. There it is. And the whole congregation was smiling and blessed. And then because of his message topic, he said the word sex. <laughs> And the stunned congregation sat there in silence until way in the back, a lady up in her 80s, almost 90, stood up and began to sing, Precious memories, how many Because it's just some things you don't expect. Am I right? For somebody that old, but here's an 85 year old man saying, Give me the mountain, I want the mountain. Yeah. Hallelujah. And what's even more stunning and awe inspiring is, as I've already said, giants lived in that mountain. As I get ready to close symbolically and prophetically, mountains rep represent the significant high places of achievement in our lives. We usually refer, on the other hand, to low places in our lives as valleys. Mountains mark great success. They stand for accomplishment and victory. They stand for memorable events or other meaningful and watershed occurrences in our life. However, valleys speak of the brokenness of the world we live in. Because this is a broken and imperfect world, we walk through low places where we don't know how things are going to turn out. We have more questions than answers. Am I talking to anybody right now? Death is called a valley in Psalms 23. It was in the valley of Sorek that Samson was tempted by Delilah. We might call that the valley of temptation. Remember the decisive battles that Israel fought in the Bible were fought in valleys. Some they won, some they lost. We find battles in our valleys too. Which one of us has never had to go through a valley of discouragement or a valley of opposition? I'm talking to somebody right now that's walking through a valley in this building. And you honestly don't know how the outcome will be. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You've got tragic news. Your heart has been broken. Somebody has betrayed you. Something has happened. Somebody opposed you and you're surprised to discover something's occurred. I don't know what it is, but I know this week as I was fasting and praying, God sent me to this place this morning. God told me this week, you go and you talk 
somebody that's in a valley. You're going to help somebody come out of the valley. I'm talking to somebody that's been in the valley and you're coming out of there today. God's going to bring you out. And somebody give God a praise today right now. that it hasn't always been easy building this church. I don't like preachers that pretend that they're not human. I don't like that. Get up there with their preacher voice and change the way they even talk whenever they get behind the platform. You're talking to them, they talk normal in conversation. Get up here.
time that God has enabled us now to reach the place where we are, but it, it wasn't easy, it wasn't easy, it wasn't easy at all. But God brought me through that. God brought us through that as a church. You tell, you want to know the truth, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I've learned. You know, you pass through the valley of Baker. The scripture says, and Psalm 84 to 6, and I'm just about done, but you make it a well. Right in the middle of the valley, in this dry, harsh desert valley that is actually called the Valley of Weeping. That's what they come in. You run out of water and you're weeping. And you don't even have enough water left for tears to flow down your face. You ever been to the place where you cried all the tears you can cry? Oh, let me get real with you. Anybody in this building, you've ever had your back against the wall and you've cried until your eyes were red and swollen and, and you don't know where to go yet? I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. Been there. You know what it's like. But you know what God did? God turned that valley into a well for me. Oh, I've drawn strength from that. I'll tell you what strength it is that I've drawn. I've drawn that when this this knowledge out of that well, I've learned that no matter how dark the times may be, if you'll trust God, He'll get you through your darkest hour. I learned that in the valley. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Somebody give God some praise in this house. The scripture tells us in Matthew 10 and 27, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak you in the light. Well, I'll never forget when he opened that verse to me because it wasn't long after that ordeal that we went through. The Lord spoke to me and I was reading that and it left off the page. Has that ever happened to anybody in this world? You're reading the Word of God and all of a sudden it feels like you were holding wild electricity in your hands. And, and I mean that verse left off and got in my spirit and I, I wanted to get up and shout. That's what I wanted to do. And the Lord said, what I've told you in the darkness, that speak in the light. And it occurred to me that every school that God has ever conducted has been in the darkness, whether it's with Joseph in the bottom of a dungeon, hello somebody, Moses on the backside of a desert, David in the caves of doom. God conducts his school somewhere in the darkness. But hear what I'm saying, if you can take the school, you're coming into the light someday, and you're going to have something to say. Because God processes everything that you go through and turns it into a blessing. What was meant to destroy you, He'll turn to your good. What was meant to take you down or elevate you. What was meant to put you out of commission will give you extra gas in your tank. Tell us about it. When you hit the wall and thought you were done, you still have 60% left. Because God showed up and said, I'm not through yet. What's what I'm going to do with your life? If the truth is known, that's why some people, when they get in the light, they have nothing to say. They haven't been through the darkness yet. They opted out. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm preaching to somebody that's walking through a dark season. I'm preaching to somebody that's going through a test and a struggle and you don't even know how it's going to turn out yet. And I'm done. I, I'm finishing. Would you stand with me right now? Amen. Our time is already gone. Hallelujah. But you've got to control your valley. 
I want, I want our ushers to please come and pass out envelopes as quickly as they will and be ready to receive an offering for Cindy's whole death ministry. You just give as God speaks to you to give. I know that he's going to talk to you and you'll be blessed for helping these children. Go to Rwanda and Kenya. Every time I help somebody like that, it reminds me that I've got grandkids and great-grandchildren. And I want God to bless them and I want somebody to be kind to them. And I sow into other ministries like this. Knowing that if I do that, if I give for their need like that exists, somebody's going to remember my kids someday. Somebody's going to remember my grandchildren, my grandkids someday. But let me close with this. You need to control your value. At West Point, they teach military strategy. Anybody here ever been in the U.S. military? Can I raise, see you raise your hands with numbers of people across the building. God bless you. Thank you for your service. This week was the anniversary of D-Day. We might all be doing high Hitler if it wasn't for the brave men and women that fought in World War II. Thank God for them. But listen, one of the things they teach at West Point as a form of military strategy, always take the high ground. Look at your neighbor and say, take the high ground. You want the enemy to be down below you, not the enemy above you. That's why Jesus said you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. I'm changing your position to teach it. Amen. Because if you let the enemy catch you in the valley, strategically he can cut you off, shoot out on you, and you don't have any way to defend yourself. During the Civil War, the Shenandoah Valley was called the Valley of Humiliation from the North. Go ahead, you can, you can receive the offer. Amen. Shenandoah Valley, the East Coast was called the Valley of Humiliation for the North. The North was actually being defeated by the South's control of that valley. Then using the Shenandoah Valley, General Stonewall Jackson of the Confederate Army was almost able to reach Washington, D.C. Had he done so, the South would have won the Civil War. All of it because they controlled the supply routes that came to the Shenandoah Valley. General Philip Sheridan of the Union Army broke the supply lines of the Confederate Army that were being used to supply the Southern military, and ultimately the North won the war. You have to make up your mind that before you take the mountain, the first strategy is don't let the enemy control your valley. He will use the valley to supply his attack against you. When you're down in the valley, it's hard to defend yourself. When you're down in the valley, you don't feel like praying. Pray anyway. Don't you surrender. Don't you surrender. Hello. When you're down in the valley, you don't feel like going to the house of God. You go in down in the valley, you don't feel like working to fix your marriage. You work on it anyhow. Yes. 
you're down in the valley, you don't feel like continuing to invest in that business that God told you to start, but you, you invest anyway. When you're in the valley, you want to throw up your hands when you have teenagers because God knows. You know, when a child turns 13, it's like the invasion of the body snatchers. Yes. See, that's not the same kid I used to hold in my lap. Somebody slipped in here during the night and gave me the seed of Satan or something. I don't know. Amen. You got to get them through their teenage years. You want to throw up your hand to some of the things you have to go through. You don't give up. You don't let the enemy run his supply lines through the valley. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm cutting off the supply lines right now. I'm cutting them off. I'm cutting them off. I'm shutting them down. I'm not listening to the God bless you. God bless you. 
If you've never given your heart to the Lord, now's the time for you to do that. We're going to pray in just a moment. If you give your heart to the Lord today, we'd love to talk with you after the service as well. Will you rededicate your heart and your life to God and come to you to be a part of that group as also? Just so we can speak and encourage you. I want us to pray right now. Father, I pray for every person that has raised a hand that needs God in their heart today. I pray that you'll come into their hearts right now. God forgive. Save, deliver. Thank you because you've already purchased our salvation. There's not anything we have to do other than just open our hearts and believe. I'm asking you right now to save those who raised their hands a moment ago. Baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Thank you for what happened all those years ago when suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the building. And all 120 of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. Lord, I thank you because I've known that experience is real because I've had it myself. I've been there. I've experienced it. Thank you. I want you to save somebody this morning. Baptize somebody. With the Holy Spirit right now. God make a change in somebody's life. Transform somebody. And I'm saying to the enemy, Satan, you're a liar. You cannot have the soul of that man or that woman or that young person that raised their hand a moment ago. You can't do it. You've caused enough havoc. You've caused enough hell. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We cover that person with the blood of Calvary's land. Welcome them to the body of Christ as they begin their journey. Lord, I want to pray for somebody else in this room. I want to pray for people who are walking Ladies and gentlemen, before I pray that, that prayer, while every head is bowed because people are praying, God is here today. The Lord is in this building. I was on the other side of the world, 12 and a half thousand miles away. And God spoke to me and said, I'm going to do something for somebody on Sunday. I'm going to set somebody free. I'm bringing somebody out of the valley. How many of you are walking through the darkest valley you've ever encountered? Would you mind just raising your hand right now? Come on, don't be afraid. Raise it. Don't be afraid. Hands that are raised. My God, Lord, look at all the hands of people who need you, need your grace.
calling God. There's somebody right now in this house that's on the verge of losing their home because they're tempted. I'm going to just be delicate to get involved in something you don't need to be involved in. In the name of Jesus, I'm cutting that supply line right now. Your shedding door valley is getting ready to be conquered by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Even he can't have you, no, you can't. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Hallelujah.